On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Just because our parents are getting older doesn't mean they don't have lots to do. They might just need a little help. At care.com, you'll find people who can take them to appointments and events, help pick up groceries and cook great meals. Whatever it is they like to do, the right caregiver can help. And since everyone at care.com is background checked, you can be confident that you're getting support from someone you can trust. Find qualified local senior caregivers for your parents at care.com. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening from wherever you are listening to. You have got the Mile High Pundit Podcast. My name is Jared. I'm the uglier of the two hosts, depending on who you ask, which is probably me. So yes, I'm the uglier one. Uh, Joel is out this week because, well, he's moving, as we talked about on last week's podcast. So... That's a it's a great thing. Joel's me closer. Hopefully, we're gonna be able to do some some of these podcasts live and in person. But you know, in in a in a perfect world, we're able to do that. But right now, we're working on it. So bear with us. We're gonna keep doing this over Discord and keep doing this remotely. But we're getting there. I promise. Uh, for this episode this week, I was able to interview one of my good friends from Metro State University of Denver. Lorenzo Rodriguez. Lorenzo is also a professional esports player, and he, or formerly was an esport professional esports player, but he has a lot of great insight about athletics and esports, and and with with esports becoming now a major part of most people's lives, especially during COVID, and understanding gaming and professional gaming and things of that nature, we have decided to touch base on this interview. We talk about everything from soccer to esports to uh lorenzo dealing with some issues uh from other people in in sports as well uh i should note this is a two-part episode so we're only gonna get about 30 minutes in this week and then we're gonna come back and we're gonna drop it again uh either mid next week or probably um or maybe even next Friday. We're not quite sure yet. Uh, we got to see how both of our lives shape out and just everything we're doing. So just bear with us. We'll get more info out uh, when we see it. But at this time, we're going to send it over to Lorenzo Rodriguez. Ladies and gentlemen, it is an honor to bring in our very special guest this week to speak on the landscape of esports. This man captured 43 caps at Pima Community College in Arizona, 30 of which were starts, captured nine goals, 10 assists for a total of 19 points while there. Then he moved on to MSU Denver, where he played in, he got eight caps, two starts, one assist, and then he branched out. This man's a legend. He branches out. He then moved on to the competitive gaming scene, where he becomes a top 54 main support in Overwatch. 
and now he's back to streaming. He's back to gaming after he gets his degree in sport management, which has nothing to do with computers. Figure that one out. And now he's going for his master's in L.A. My good man, Lorenzo Rodriguez. Lorenzo, how are you, my man? Oh, man, that intro is actually... I love it. I feel like a celebrity, man. I'm doing well. Thank I, you for having me. I, I appreciate some, it. I do some research on you. Don't worry. <laughs> now, I'm, okay. I'm really surprised. So, okay. So, how do you pronounce your hometown in Germany? Because you you went to Ramstein American High School in Germany. Yeah. How so, do you, how do you pronounce that? So, yeah, I grew up in Kaiserslautern, Germany. It's like west of west of Frankfurt. Uh, it's probably about a 45 minute drive from there, um, depending on who's driving. You know. <laughs> Um, and yeah, it's just, it was a really good time. I lived there for almost eight years. So I've considered that my hometown. And, and just remind me again, cause I, I'm so bad at this. Where are you getting your master's at? And, uh, what I'm, are you getting it in? I'm getting my master's at Loyola Marymount university, uh, down in downtown Los Angeles. So I got a scholarship there to study, uh, and do my master's in business administration. And so, I'm figuring out what I'm going to emphasize. So, so is that going to be in person or is that just strictly online? Like, especially with COVID going on right now? Yeah, so right now it's going to be online um, just until January, and then hopefully things start clearing up, not only in L.A. and California, but also, you know, throughout the world, so. I got you. That makes sense. So, uh, obviously, today's discussion is about esports. Um, yeah. Being the prolific soccer player that you are, um, <laughs> obviously, uh, how, how did you end up getting into video games? I mean, you and I used to talk about video games while we were sitting in Troy, Nicole, uh, Dr. Evans' classes. Um, how did you end up getting into video games? Yeah, so I love answering this question just because of like, uh, it just brings me back a lot of memories, both good and bad. So the reason why I, I started gaming back with my dad, uh, back in like 1998, 1999, I started playing the first StarCraft. Um, and then until there, I've always been, you know, uh, a pretty heavy gamer since then. I used to do Halo 2 tournaments uh, way back in the day. Um, and, you know, smaller Call of Duty tournaments with my brothers. And then... Um, my life literally consisted of go to school, go to soccer practice, do homework, play video games until I went to bed. Uh, and that's basically all I did. And I was, that was able, that was a scapegoat for me for a lot of different reasons. You know, growing up in Europe as an American, uh, being the only American on my German team. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was a really good scapegoat for me to just pursue something that, you know, distracted me away from soccer, distracted me away from school. Um, and it, and it also allowed me to connect with my friends back, you know, back in Texas. So, okay. So I got to ask the question, how good are those Germans? Cause I mean, growing up like here in the States, I, yeah. we were, we were learning, um, Oh God, what was his name? Klopp was his name? Johan Klopp, right? Jurgen Klopp, yep. Jurgen Klopp. We were learning his footwork just in a random and just random practices and skills practices. How good were those German kids, even even at the youth level? Yeah, so it was it was definitely a hard transition. Um, what what I really what benefited me from going to a place like Germany was that in the states I really didn't fit in with my type of of soccer just because in my family we watched a lot of european soccer or football growing up so i was able to just translate the technical ability that they really hammered down from the moment they start walking all the way to to death uh they they really hammered down the basics it's it's they they always believed that soccer you know a lot of other things in, in life were just 90 percent basics and so that really stuck with me not only you know in soccer but also in school and and uh and, and esports as well and and just just honing my skills with with 
tactical and and technical because I, I'm not the biggest guy out there. I'm definitely not the fastest guy out there. But uh, when I have the ball, I definitely can see things that you know most people or think things that most people couldn't. So that was that's how I was, I was able to get a scholarship, you know, to my community college, and then eventually when I transferred to Metro State University. So yeah, and I mean. Metro had you listed at five eight. Same with Pima. They they both listed you at five eight. Pima listed you at one fifty five. And I said, "There's no way this dude's got to be one sixty five. He's built like a he's built like a like a truck. I mean, just pure muscle. I mean, yeah. There's no way you were only a buck fifty five. But whatever, that's fine. Um, so I mean, you already touched on. It. So you were you were an athlete turned gamer. Just as your mm-hmm. that was your escape, obviously. Um, yeah. It, would you? Like after games, because you hear a lot of coaches, especially nowadays, saying, don't go home and just go dump, jump on video games after practice. Don't go do this. Don't go do that. Right. I, I was the opposite, especially when I was coaching hockey um, during my year break from Metro. Right. I, I said, look, if you want to go home and, and play video games, go home and play video games. That's that's okay because you need that distraction away from only thinking about the games and practices. Do, do you think that that's lost in translation these days? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think another reason why I got into gaming, and I'm glad that you brought that up, is because uh, I think the main reason what brought me, you know, that translated me from the casual to, you know, the competitor to the actual, you know, semi-professional level was because when I I tore my ACL, I broke my ankle, broke fingers. I think I have about six or seven, you know, normally career-ending injuries. Yeah, luckily I was able to get back in each and every one of them. Uh, But... uh, it was just something like you know video games it, it kept me from not being depressed anymore especially you know my most recent memory was was my uh, ACL tear back in 2015 when I was on Pima at the national championship finals and uh that was something you know uh, you know being on my computer and and having a different passion and turning into turning to a community that that really they didn't know that I was injured, so they didn't treat they didn't treat me differently online. So it was just either you were good or you're or you're bad. So there's there was no in between, and and so it was just something that was really welcoming uh, for me as you know someone that was injured um, to be yeah like like you said it's it's such a good scapegoat. Obviously everything in moderation, I, and I believe that even true to this day in sports, um, a lot of people think that you need to put twelve hours, whether that's in gaming or in you know soccer, football, hockey, whatever it could be. Um, but I, I feel like if I was to do it all over again, I think the perfect balance is, you know, finding different um, finding different training plans that work best for you and not necessarily, you know, quantity over quality. And I think that's something that, you know, getting me to the level that I was, that was something I really hammered. It was always quantity versus quality, quantity over over quality every single time. And I think that was something that even led to my injuries and led to, you know, you know, different burnouts across my life, whether that was in soccer or a particular game or, or even in school. So, and, and so I remember asking you this cause we've been, and this is a lot of this is new information for even me. I mean, we've been friends for three years now and, yeah. and even I didn't know you tore your ACL, broke your ankle, all these, all these massive injuries that you're right would be typically mm-hmm. a career ender. I, I always remember seeing you in school and seeing this pro sock Academy um, mm-hmm. patch on your backpack and I don't remember if I've ever asked you about it. So what is ProSoc yeah. Academy? Yeah, so ProSoc Academy uh, was basically an academy that started as a family friend of ours who goes by the name of Sebastian Kors. Uh He decided that he wanted to work uh, with military kids 
um, that were overseas, not just in Germany, but overseas in general, and really bring top level soccer to American kids, something that a lot of times Americans overseas were initially at first, maybe they grow into it, but initially they were always, you know, a little bit of afraid to get out there, you know, into different cultures, into different um, towns and villages and cities that that was something that Sebastian and, and the people around him really had the the vision, the idea of, okay, let's make a soccer academy for, you know, American military kids. And there's different divisions. Um, you know, they, they manage different players, uh, both in the professional and collegiate levels. They host college showcases for top division one programs to go and top division two programs to go. Um, and pro soccer academy is really the reason why I was able to get a scholarship uh, for both Pima and that Metro. So they were really a, a, a great tool. And I've known the owner. He's trained me. His father's trained me. It's, it's a great family relationship that we have with them. And, and that's really how I got my start in, in sport management as well. So, yeah. And, and forgive me, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. Do you, so that, so were you, were you born in, you were born in Germany. Um, so did, did, you do carry a dual citizenship then, correct? I, I was actually born in Wichita Falls, Texas. Oh, okay. Um, I, I just claimed Germany just because that's where, you know, I, I lived the longest. Um, that's somewhere I, I think I can relate to the military brats over there uh, more than I can with people that I'm living here or even even to a certain extent in Denver, my, my, my teammates as well. Um, there's just a certain bond with military brats that um, when we get asked where we, where are we from or where were we born? It's just, it's, it's, we have that, that blessing, I guess it's a blessing and a curse, but I like to see it as a blessing. We, we have that advantage as we can say literally wherever we've lived and wherever we want, we can say, okay, we're from there. And, and that's a little joke that we have is we can say wherever we are, uh, you know, where we're from. So it's pretty cool. But yeah, Wichita Falls, Texas. <laughs> and see, I, I was like, see, Germany, he's, he's probably carrying some dual citizenship here. <laughs> I wish, I wish. <laughs> that, that'd be pretty cool right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so let, let's jump forward. So you played two years at Pima. Um, yep. I touched on it in the open. Uh, 43 caps. 30 of those were starts. I do know some soccer lingo. It's kind of cool, huh? I like it. I like um, it. I used a former soccer player, so I know some of it. Um, I like it. Potted, potted nine goals, ten assists in, across your forty-three games. So I mean, yeah. pretty respectable, obviously. Um, <laughs> Thank you. And what in in those and two yellow cards? That's always good to see. That <laughs> a good stat to know that you're not a horrible person. Those only in forty-three games, so you're doing pretty well there. Um, from moving from the the junior collegiate level up to division two at metro mm-hmm. how how big is the shift in competition level and in the uh, off-field time needed that you have to put in every single day oh man i love this question um i think so a lot of a lot of the reasons why i was able to translate the success that i had at Pima and i was able to get a scholarship at metro is because um the discipline that the military and my family and my father who who served 30 years and and my time at Pima who the coach was all about discipline our, Pima was known for a work a workhorse type of te- uh program uh it didn't get much state funding it didn't get uh much of really of anything um international players couldn't go because we didn't have any housing so it was all about our mentality was we work harder than everybody and in and it with that we were able to during my time those two years that I was there. We were able to win two region championships, two district championships, and a third place finish. 
Um, and now it's, you know, that's with no money. That was all fundraising and stuff like that. And we were, you know, playing against different rich schools. And, and I think the difference or that mindset that I, that I was able to, you know, obtain over there, I brought that to Metro and, it, and it had, I had a lot of on field and, and most importantly, off the field success with that mentality and with that upbringing. And I guess the difference between, you know, the, the division two or even a lot of division one programs to the, to the community college kids is that in my opinion, I actually liked the community college feel better because um, I felt like everybody was out to prove something. Um, it was, there was always a chip on, Oh, you know, we have that title. We're community college players. So people either a think we're really dumb B have bad grades or C that we're all really, really poor. And being in a state that is, you know, heavily uh, Hispanic base, I was based out of Tucson, Arizona, about 45 minutes from the border. And th- those were just everyday, you know, those chips on their shoulder that, that we all embraced. And that's we had a lot of on field success. And I guess, you know, short short answer is here is that the the differences of going from Pima to Metro or even just Pima or a community college in general to a, a, a division two, II, division one program is that when you get to those D1, D2 programs, a lot of people are like, ah, eh, you know, they're, they're very complacent. Uh, practices are, they're very like lazy-daisical. You know, people are not really there to work. You know, you have, of course, you have people there that are there to grind and everything like that. But a lot of times people at that level, and it's kind of sad that people from the outside don't really see it, um, is that when you get to that level, you're like, you know, like, oh, I made it. Now it's done. I got my scholarship. I got this. So like, I don't even really have to try. Um, so that, I, I think that was the difference that I saw um, that I could really, re- really, really respect kids who, you know, go through the community college route. I always actually encourage people to go the community college route. Um, and I, I, I hope one day that it becomes a lot more mainstream. I saved a ton of money. I, uh, you know, I got a great education there. I was able to live at home and having that small town vibe of transitioning from high school into college, I think is a great, great, way for younger you know younger generations even in the social media age to still live with their parents but also still get a little bit of the college lifestyle and then when they're ready two years in they're able to go to a four-year and then you know it's, it's a piece of cake at that point so yeah and I, that's a that's the best way of it putting it is that you you can get kids who are who may be the best player in their region in their high schools like let's say here in Colorado you got 4 4A 5A which are your two highest classifications you yep. may be the best player in 4A but our 4A here may not be what is the best best or even second best level in North Carolina or Florida right. or Texas where they're able to play year round soccer and without playing indoor soccer like we mm. have to play here in the winter time just because right. obviously we we get a ton of snow and it's it's just it's really interesting to hear that the, the community college road may actually be one of the best roads to get into a division one two three program in the NCAA ranks or just even stay there through your uh, through through your collegiate career. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think another thing is that a lot of kids, you know, they really want that D one spot. They really want that D two spot. I was fortunate to you know have offers from from both um, divisions, um, but I think a lot of times people don't see the community college route as, Hey, you can develop not only as a, as a player and get better, you know, with you tactically, technically, athletically, 
build, you know, you're going from a young boy to a young man. That phase is so important from that 17 to 18, 19, that people, they, they want to rush it so, so bad. Um, and, and I think community college is such a great, it's not even necessarily a safety net. I think it's actually more of a, hey, we're pushing you out into the real world more than it is of just, hey, I'm just going to send you out and, you know, figure it out. You know, that, that can work for some kids, but there's a lot of kids out there, especially kids who are in underdeveloped communities or just, you know, just actually in, in, in both sides of the, of the coin. I think people can really, really um, get a lot of benefits from from going to that that type of route. I mean, I'm speaking of out of my own experiences and the people that I'm that I've been around and, and I've spoken to my friends who went straight into D1s or straight into D2s. Um, and it's really interesting to see the different, um, I guess, lifestyle choices that you know, that they had in college and then, you know, post-collegiate as well. So, And I think he hit the nail on the head was the the, the, the development of not only your skill, but your body. And right, right. Because you're, 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 you're spot on with your analysis of your, your, cha- your body is still changing from that 17, 18-year-old to the 19, 20-year-old where oh, you're yeah. still, still going to have that speed. You're still going to have that acumen. But how is it going to translate to that? division two division one style of play and it's the same across baseball as well i mean i knew i I had a friend who went to metro who started off at a um at a juco and then went to a division one school um in utah and then was like i just i want to go back home and end up coming back to metro but right he he said that that time spent in juco actually developed him better than than he would have done going straight to the d1 or even to the or even straight to metro and absolutely and, and there's not a lot of sports that can offer that unfortunately i mean right you, you can do that with with some sports um the, there's nothing in the hockey route the hockey route is you have to go play juniors and that's how you go develop your body and you turn into mm. a prototypical college or professional type player right but un- until you go that route and you understand the grind that that goes through and i i, I can speak from it firsthand i mean there was We'd be in the weight room three days a week with a professional trainer on the ice five days, four or five days a week, depending on if we traveled on Thursday or not. And right. And there was, you had those long bus rides. I'm sure you guys had those long bus rides to with Metro and with Pima and understanding that. How are you going to mentally prepare? How are you going to prepare your body on those bus rides? And because you you don't have to do that in high school. You you're used to maybe three, four hour bus rides and boom, you're on the field, you're warmed up and you're ready to go. Yep. And and just, just going off of that, I think it's, it's super good point that you bring up of just, I think in in my opinion, the teams that, and I think we see this even in professional sports, obviously, you know, you have your, your, outstanding prodigies you know take the golden state warriors or take real madrid or take, you know, exactly you, you take those guys and they're in their own little universe right but for the 98 percent of us or even just the 99 percent of us the the mental strength is something that the ncaa and i'll even criticize a little bit of the njcaa for junior colleges they do not they do not refine they do not develop the mental side of the game at all um a lot of times you know they like to say that you know at least uh, maybe this is from my experiences because i was in you know different top programs you know both in the high school and you know the collegiate side is that they like to mask that hey we're all about school 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 but when it really comes down to it there's no there's no 
I guess there's no team mom there to say, hey, look, this is the structure that you need to really succeed. And, and I think the mental side of, hey, you are putting a what's supposed to be a 10-month season into two, two and a half, maybe three months if you're lucky, if you get into playoffs, you're putting, you know, 20 plus games into two months. And you're paying, like, I, I know in, in community college, I know there was times where we play two to three games a week. And it was something that the, if you weren't on top of it yourself, and luckily I had my, my family there to support me, but if you were not on top of it, your physical side of the game goes down, your mental side of the game goes down. So I think there's there needs to be a, a discussion talking about player uh player psychology i think sports psychologists need to be more implemented especially in a lot of different programs um it's we're actually seeing a lot of a boom in in esports and and a lot of the top professional teams are like hey we need to invest in our in our guys's uh, in our guys's mental capacities because at the end of the day whether it's soccer, football, basketball, hockey, or Overwatch or League of Legends, at the end of the day, your brain is going to be your number one tool. A lot of times people think it's, you know, it's whoever's the fastest, whoever's the strongest, whatever. But at the end of the day, it's it's if your brain can last, you know, if you can stay consistent, that was like a, a big, a big theme in, in at Pima was if you can stay consistent and strong in the head, you will have a good season. And I think that's something that that more teams need to need to develop, especially that mental side of the game. And, and it's it, and what what you put out there, it, it's not just this newer generation of athletes. I mean, we we even probably knew guys who were not mentally tough enough, e- even during when we were growing up, or even when you were playing at Metro as recently as two years ago. I mean, right. th- there's plenty of guys out there who guys and girls out there who are just not mentally tough enough to deal with the rigors of a three month season let alone trying to play over six to seven months even at a time right, right. and that and and those and that can wear on you and that's why professional athletes are they take such good care of their bodies they have mental coaches they have all these things but you're absolutely right that these mental coaches are needed and um i'm, I'm gonna pull something back from our metro days when we graduated i'll be what about a year ago now mm-hmm. um yep your senior thesis was uh, was regarding uh, the the mental health of esports uh, yeah. athletes. Good and, memory, man. <laughs> and because I, I remember we talked about this because I, I found a I found an article about Summit One G, and mm-hmm. I sent it to you because he took a break from streaming and from playing games competitively because he he was just so burnt out and he was he he just he he didn't love it anymore. Right, and he because it it was his job, and gaming was gaming is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be fun hanging out with your friends, and creating those bonds, even with people that don't even live near you anymore. Right, you create those bonds, and and so can can you briefly, in your own words, obviously, um, yeah. touch on the com- not only just like the competitive se- uh, gaming scene right now, but even just the recreational gaming scene, just with how how even young kids from playing um, Fortnite into now you see a lot more of these younger kids playing Call of Duty, uh, Warzone, and you're still seeing a lot of these kids who are who just can't are, aren't just aren't mentally there yet to be playing these games. Yeah, so just to quickly, briefly talk about 
the thesis that I did for my, my senior thesis to graduate. Um, so I talked about the burnout and the mental strength of esport athletes and of their rigorous training. And I think a lot of traditional sport athletes can relate to this as well, is that these guys are putting, you know, 10 to 12 hours a day um, of just, t- you know, of top tier performance and playing against top tier uh, professionals, it takes a toll on your body. So I don't know if, uh, if you saw this, but uh, two players from the San Francisco Shock from the Overwatch League, they went on Jimmy Fallon about six months ago, uh, talking about six, seven months ago, talking about after they won the Overwatch League championships, like, oh, yeah, we, you know, we played 12, 14 hours a day with our team. And then we did another three hours. And then, you know, they were just talk- talking about all the hours and hours. And, I, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, this is not the way to do it because ironically enough one of those players that was t- that was so adamant oh yeah you got to play 12 14 hours a day if you want to become a professional that very person just three four months ago actually burned out of overwatch and just retired from overwatch league in general um that's so, insane and and yeah and, and this guy was making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year but if he did not you know putting all these hours in and i know even from my own personal experience the competitive side of, of playing Overwatch six hours a day with my team, it's not just, you know, you're playing six hours with your friends and then, you know, the time goes by very quickly. This is, you're putting six hours a day, seven days a week sometimes, with guys who are oftentimes, you know, the same level as you, or if not mostly, the, you know, a lot of the times, if you want a good training session, they're going to be much better than you or, you know, or, or just better than you. And you need a strong mental will and i think coaching and the managerial side of of esports is actually more important than the big money being thrown in uh, uh or even the players that themselves be just because of the longevity of each esport athlete when i was doing my thesis you're looking around one to three years is the average time so imagine you see these kids because that's you know they're 19 18 19 20 they're already saying that they're retiring and that they're tired that, you know, you're expecting these guys to go until like what traditional athletes go, you know, they get signed at least for soccer, they get signed, you know, 16, 17, and then they go until they're 30, 31, 32. So that's, you know, 15 years of a career at the highest of the highest levels. And these guys are only doing it for one year's time to three years time. So there's definitely needs to be a better way of coaching better way of managing. So that's why one of the reasons why I want to do my master's is to get into those higher executive uh, positions and to change the culture, not only in the esports side of things, but also in the business esports side of things that also needs to change. So our thanks to Lorenzo. Like I said, this could be the the first half of a two-part interview. Uh, we're going to drop the second part, like I said, either later next week or uh, maybe just even next Friday. We're not quite sure yet. We guys how everything shapes out. Uh, really quickly, want to recap. Uh, everybody, sports is back, and it is a magical, magical thing to have. Nuggets are back in action this week, as well as the Avs are starting their Stanley Cup run on Sunday against the Blues, a 4.30 puck drop. So this is going to be a really good and fun weekend of uh, sports for Colorado. Rockies are back in town home for Friday night and it's just gonna be overall fun. So like I said, if you guys enjoy the podcast, please tell your friends, 
please tell anybody you know. Uh, if you don't like it, let us know. Let us know how we can change it and uh, what you think we should do differently. So, uh, for Joel James, I am Jared Shuck. You've been listening to the Mile High Pundit Podcast, and we'll catch you next week. Most of the people are so close-minded. They go into school and they work in a job, but they don't even like it. I won't be put in a box. Nobody telling me what I should rock. Nobody telling me what I should drop. Cause I do what I want and just nobody don't stop. Recording till four in the morning. They snoring. I'm pouring my soul into every story. I'm writing, producing. I mix it. I master. I'm building my craft and I'm not looking back. I've been going doing things I want to do when I want to. Everybody want to get away, but they not do. Everybody want to copy you, but they not do. Everybody want to copy you, but they not do. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 